Amen. Thanks, June. If you want to get your Bibles open, that's John 12 that June's just read from. John 12, verses 12 to 19. Palm Sunday from John's account. Um, This morning, slightly different. You've already noticed (laughs) the chaos all around. If you're new, welcome this morning. (laughs) Welcome to Creech Baptist Church. This is uh, not a typical service, but it's not untypical, I'd suggest, uh, for us to be a bit messy and a bit relaxed. This morning, um, we want to do things slightly differently. I'm going to reflect on not just this passage, but on theme in a moment. Um, And then we're going to go into communion. We're going to need to move that table down, Mark, at some point, um, just to bring it back down here. Um, And then we've got another way of responding this morning. So this morning, I'd just like to start by praying that all of us would just be open to hearing what God both wants to say to us and encouragement that he may want to give to each one of us this morning. So let's pray. Lord, as we turn now to your word, as we reflect, as we approach communion, as we respond, I pray whoever we are and however we're feeling this morning, I ask would you come by your Holy Spirit, enable us to hear from you and receive from you this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we can bring up the. Um, ooh, am I in a? Have I, I might have created an echo chamber here. Um, uh, I want to talk to you this morning about courage. So we've been going through our confidence uh, this term, confidence in the gospel, being confident in our faith, being confident in our front lines, in our workplaces, with our friends, and this morning is about. That confidence that comes through courage, particularly I want to reflect on what it is to have courage this morning. But I want us to start by capturing again something of that extraordinary first Palm Sunday. I love the fact that these floors are chaotic. If you're sat in, you won't be able to see it, but from where I am, it looks like a party has just exploded in here and everyone's just left the tidying up. I mean, it's marvellous. It looks like there's been a huge celebration. And of course, that is what the cacophony of noise and excitement would have felt like on that first Palm Sunday. See, for days, perhaps even weeks, rumours had been going around. And you can imagine them spreading all around Jerusalem. Do you think he'll come? Do you think he might? I've heard that he might. He's come, he's come before, but this is different. I think he's coming. He loves to come up for the festival. I, I've never seen him before. No, well, I have. He's amazing. And then the news comes. He is coming. Jesus is coming for the festival. For days, families will have been preparing their own uh, festivities, ready to celebrate the Passover meal, to remember all that God has done in their history. But talk would have been about just one thing. Jesus, the teacher, the miracle worker. Have you heard what he did with Lazarus? Have you heard that Lazarus was dead and now apparently he's alive? Lazarus is going to turn up as well. Jesus and Lazarus, this is amazing. We've got to go and see him. They say he's going to change everything. They say he's like a king when you meet him. They say we should give him a king's welcome. We've got to join. 
And so as the day finally arrives, family after family grab their coats and they begin to put them on the floor, a little bit like these colours that we've laid out, this gorgeous uh, banner with these coats giving you an idea where everyone's putting their coats uh, on the floor and they're also grabbing palm branches. This was the best I could do. I have no idea what this is, but I can tell you one thing, it's not a palm. Um, (laughs) That is a British weed type uh, hedge. But it looked quite good with you all doing this. They grabbed their palm branches for two things. One, to wave them in the air. The other one, to chuck them on the floor as well to create like this red carpet, if you like. It's absolutely extraordinary. The floor covered in coats and greenery. And then, of course, many people trying to get through as the crowds begin to line the streets, as they begin to squash in. If you've ever been to Bridgewater Carnival, you'll know what it's like. He's coming. Come on, get in. Oh, I want to see. Get your kid up. Get him on the shoulder. Just squeeze in there. Get yourself a good front side view. And then you've still got probably some carts arriving, uh, you know, pulling in supplies for the festivities and uh, having to squeeze through the people. What's going on with Jesus? is coming, is going to be amazing. And then, quick, have you got the branches ready? Is that, is that him in the distance? No, no, it's not. Not yet, not yet, but, but get ready. He, he, he definitely is coming. See, they knew what they were doing. This wasn't just a random idea to throw some things on the floor. This was an ancient Near Eastern tradition, a way of welcoming back a king. A king had gone to war, a king who'd won victory, and a king who comes back declaring peace now in our time. Thanks, Bexus. Really appreciated. And they're doing the same thing. So the palm leaves, we, we first kind of learn about them in the festivities of the Festival of Booths. And so this is one of the festivals that Moses was told to teach the people um, about. Um, and, they, and they would um, basically wave palm leaves and get totally overexcited. Um, and uh, I think it says the luxurious... Or, uh, trees cut down all the branches from them and wave them for seven days and build these booths and live in them. So there's these great uh, significance to palm leaves. They were already a joyous and celebratory um, symbol. But then throwing them on the floor and in this particular way welcoming in Jesus, well, this was a royal thing. It's what happened, if you remember, to Solomon. King David put Solomon on his donkey and said, ride through the streets. And it said in scripture that that was so loud that day that, the, that the, it felt like the floor was moving. The people were so excited to welcome Solomon in as king. And this day, this Palm Sunday, it's the people's chance to welcome Jesus just like this. And now suddenly imagine it. They're waiting. They're excited. And then they see him. It is him. Here he is. He's here. And look at him. He's riding on a donkey, just like Zechariah's ancient prophecy, just like Solomon did. Exult greatly, Zechariah wrote. O daughter of Zion, shout for joy. O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and riding on a donkey. The warrior's bow will be banished and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. And they get their first glimpse of Jesus as he comes in and all the shouting and the cheering and the crowd go from excited to absolutely wild. There he is and he's riding that donkey. And people around you, if you'd been there, suddenly start shouting at the top of their voices. They need a DPG. I expect there were plenty of them in the crowd. Yes! 
It's Jesus. Hosanna, save us. Some other voice next to you, just over here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then there's even louder voices as Jesus gets closer. Blessed are you, Jesus. And then someone dares to shout it. Blessed is the king. The king of Israel. Jesus is king. Hosanna. Hosanna. It's the most extraordinary moment of overwhelming support and rejoicing for Jesus. It is absolutely phenomenal. The whole world is cheering. And in the midst of it all would have been Jesus' disciples. Can you imagine them? James and John, Matthew and Thomas going, wow, this is going rather well, isn't it? You know, this is awesome. But think with me for a moment about Peter. Oh, good old Peter. He needed no encouragement to get excited about Jesus. Can you imagine Peter on Palm Sunday? Boy, I would have loved to have seen him. He would have been running through the crowd going, yes, he's here, come on, miracle worker right there, let me hear you say Hosanna. He'd have been running through high-fiving the crowds if he was a modern day guy. I don't know if they had high-fives back in the ancient Near East, maybe. But you know, he's running through, whoa, yes, I know him, yes, Jesus, he's my friend, here he comes. Give up your voices. Come on, everyone. Jesus, King, my friend. Yes, Jesus, come on. Oh, I'd have loved to have seen it. Pharisees, of course, hated to see it. They simply concluded, look, it's getting us nowhere. The whole world has gone after him. The whole world is cheering. On this day, it was impossible for Peter not to get caught up in the passion and the wonder of the crowds. Excitement and joy that filled his heart to overflowing must have been amazing. On this day, Jesus really was king. This day, anything seemed possible. On this day, the confidence Peter had felt unbreakable, it felt unshakable, it felt strong. But that was when the whole world was cheering. Because within a week, we know it would be so different. Within a week, the cheering would fall silent. And the jeering would begin. Crucify him. What a loser. Go on, whip him harder. Within a week, Jesus, the hero, would be arrested and beaten, spat at and mocked. He'd be humiliated, stripped and tortured, not as Jesus the king, but as Jesus the loser, Jesus the hated, Jesus the criminal, Jesus the pathetic. Within a week, Peter would go from a heart full of joy, no doubt a heart full of fear. He'd feel that ice-cold terror of his mortality run through his veins as he sees what's going on, as he sees Jesus, his leader, his protector, his hope, his teacher, his friend, carrying a cross and struggling to breathe. There would be turmoil, there would be guilt, there would be anxiety, there'd be brokenness, there'd be tears, there'd be denial. Instead of shouting, yes, Jesus, at the top of his lungs, now the words were stuck in his throat. Instead out came, no, 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 not Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I have nothing to do with him. On this dark day, it felt impossible for Peter to stand against the hostility and power of the crowds. The excitement and joy that once filled his heart to overflowing 
placed with anxiety and fear. This day Jesus seemingly was no longer king. This day nothing seemed possible any longer. On this day, this dark day, the confidence Peter had was broken and was shaken to the core. Friends, I just simply want to say this. Surrounded by genuine darkness, more than anything else in this moment, Peter needed one thing. Courage. That's what he needed. Courage. You see, courage is saying yes to Jesus, or even just saying yes, Jesus, when the cheering stops. Courage is something every follower of Jesus is called to. It's something you and I are called to. I want to reflect on courage really briefly. These are just four thoughts for you. Because it's easy to write off courage as some kind of just heroic action for certain people who are courageous. Maybe, you know, like a a fireman or a police officer or a soldier maybe. Courage is something all of us need at certain times. The first thing I want to say to you, you may know this, but courage is a heart word. It's to do with the heart. It's to do with inside before it's to do with outside. Courage has to do with our state within. English word we know, if you know a little bit of French, cœur, uh, cœur de lion, that's a nice cheese I believe, isn't it? Um, but cœur, heart of the lion, uh, comes from the Latin cœur. Uh, it's to do with the heart. And so is the Greek word. Not quite the heart, but it, the Greek word means to be bolstered within. It's an internal thing first. It's a heart thing first. And it's often translated as take heart in scripture. Not just take courage, but take heart. Let your heart be strengthened in this moment. Strengthened from the inside first. And you think about it, all of us can get down hearted, (laughs) discouraged, disheartened. We can also talk about being heartened again, can't we? Courage is exactly that, when something changes within that gives us hope again and enables us to act differently. Psalm 3, I haven't got time to go through this now, it's one of my favourite psalms. David is surrounded by an impossible situation by his enemies all around him. And he is very fearful. He says to the Lord, they've said to my heart, they've said to that deep place within, and my heart's begun to believe it, Lord, that you're not going to save me. And then it turns, and he says, yet you are my shield, you are my God, you're the lifter of my head. You hearten me again. You give me courage. I will carry on. Courage is also a gift and a choice. I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way. Why am I holding this? I need to put this somewhere. (laughs) Put this here. It's not going to work, is it? Beautiful. There you go. Um, It's also a gift and a choice. Jesus says to his disciples, have you noticed, the way we render it is take courage. The word's an imperative. It's like something you must do now. It's something you must receive He's telling them to take courage almost from him. He says it to his disciples so many times, doesn't he? It's here. Courage is available. Take it. Come on. I'm with you, he says. Courage is something. I just want you to think about this with me. 
that is so often given to us by another person. Have you noticed that in life? Whether it's a friend who speaks a word of faith and hope, belief in you. Maybe it's the example you see of someone else acting courageously and kickstart something in you. Or whether it's by the Lord himself who speaks to us. Remember what scripture says that the Lord has not given us a spirit of timidity, but one of power and of love and of self-control. The Lord himself, through his word or by the spirit within, says, come on, I'm with you. Courage. And if courage is a gift, then encouragement is giving someone that gift. Think about that for a moment. Greek word courage has all these connotations of being warmed up from the inside. Just imagine last time you've gone out for a freezing cold walk and you get back and your fingers can hardly open the door because you're so cold and you're soaking wet and you're freezing. And the difference it makes if someone's there in the home to welcome you in and say, the fire's on, here's some stew. That's what encouraging someone is like on the inside. Warming someone up. Courage is both a gift and a choice. It's one we need to give one we also need to receive. All right, I'll speed up here a little bit. Courage is action on belief. Courage is action. It's boldness, says one definition. But it's boldness and certainty, says the dictionary definition I was looking at. Boldness to do something, but based on a belief, a certainty that underpins that action. It's not to say that suddenly, to be courageous, you have to be utterly confident. No, I think confidence can come later. But there can be something that you believe in that's bigger than you and bigger than this moment. It's not suddenly believing, oh, well, I can definitely win this situation. It'll all be fine. Because you don't know. Sometimes it's not. But that doesn't stop courage. Courage comes from that deeper trust in who our God is. Deeper Belief that there are things that are worth standing up for. There is truth worth defending. There is a bigger story that we're a part of. And now's the time to act. Even if I don't feel confident. And the final thing I just want to say on these reflections is courage is not an absence of fear. (laughs) You may say, oh Matt, I'm not a very courageous person. I always tell my children, it's not possible to have courage if you're not afraid. It's not. If you're not afraid, that's great. You're just not afraid. It's lovely. You can do anything. Go for it. But if you're afraid, and then you look around, the situation is difficult, but you know there's a deeper truth to fight for, and a God who's with you, and you step out, and you step up, for whatever it is, now that's courage. You may say, Matt, I'm a nervous person, not very courageous. I want to say to you this morning, all the more you can show courage. All the more. It's said, maybe even sometimes just 20 seconds of courage change a situation. 20 seconds of courage can truly change things. All right, I'll go quickly now because we want to move to our communion and we want to begin to reflect on this but here's a couple of thoughts. Every generation I believe is called to courage. When it comes to the Bible, courage is everywhere. Courage of Abraham to believe in God and to leave his home. Of Moses to stand before Pharaoh of all people and declare, let my people go. Yeah, right. That's not a good idea. Courage. Courage. Of Elijah to gather the people and to chuck water all over his altar and to say, come on God, answer with fire. Courage. It's not a good idea. Dreadful idea. Rationally, courage. 
going to do something here. Courage of Esther to stand up for her people before the king of Daniel, worshipping the true God, even with the threat of lions. Courage of Stephen to stand up for Jesus when stones are being hurled at him. He's dying, and he still says, Jesus is amazing. Wow, I see him. Courage. Courage of Paul in the midst of beatings and shipwrecks and prison. Courage. Picture you see there, you may think, oh, that's an uncanny resemblance to Winston Churchill. It's because it's someone playing Winston Churchill in a movie I saw the other night called Darkest Hour. I don't know what it was like for a generation that survived the Second World War and went through it. Some of you do know. Some of you do know. Um, But boy, did... And I can only speak for this nation. It would have been the same in nations around. Did this nation need courage in that time? And I loved this movie. It was an adaptation of Winston Churchill because I've always thought of him as just a... Whatever you think of him, there's lots of political critique and support for him both ways. I'm not saying he's the perfect leader. Please don't misunderstand me. But something unique happened with his leadership. And I always thought that, oh, he was always a courageous and bold, like bulldogs, what we think of him as. But the film showed him at one point sat on his bed, frail, in his pyjamas, and wanting to give up. He'd just become the Prime Minister. It was May 1940. And the issue was happening in Dunkirk, where 300,000 Allied troops were being squashed onto the beach, ready to just be killed. And he was told by everyone, there's nothing that can be done. Nothing can be done. We're going to lose them all. And he sat there and he thought, I need to tender my resignation. But there was a knock at his door. And it was the king who didn't like him much and had told him he was not the right man for the job and clearly wanted him out. The king came in in that moment, whether it's historically true or not for the film, just capture this moment, came into this frail and fragile Winston, sat by him in the bed and just said, I'm behind you. I can do this. Come on. The nation's behind you. I'm with you. The voice of the king gave him courage as he came alongside. And you could see in the movie, the adaptation, Winston was filled again, encouraged, bolstered from within, received that gift. And over and over and over again, he spoke courage and encouragement to a nation that needed to hear it. Lift up your hearts. All will come right. We will continue. We will continue. Every generation needs courage, though. Courage of Rosa Parks refused to give up that seat on that bus to a white lady. Courage of JFK not to escalate the Cuban Missile Crisis. Courage of Lincoln to stand up against segregation. Courage of William Carey go to India as a missionary, courage of Wilberforce to stand against slavery. But it's not just the named heroes of all that showed courage. It's the women who finally leave an abusive husband. It's the father who refuses a promotion away so that he might have more time for his children. It's the countless men and women in Ukraine right now who are fighting against an unjust tyranny. It's the child who's been written off over and over again, still turning up to school and trying their best. The NHS medical practitioner working tirelessly through a pandemic. It's the mother who leaves her home to bring her child to safety in a far-off land. It's the secret pastor still calling his people or their people to worship in the underground church in China. It's the people that turn up to those underground churches in China. 
It's the teenager with panic attacks refusing to give up and trying again. It's the police officer stepping in to break up a violent brawl. It's the accountant refusing to overlook malpractice from their best customer. It's the Christian at the gym offering to share their story and to pray with their new gym buddy. It's the office worker standing up for the person that everyone else is slagging off. Over and over again, in all sorts of ways, day after day, people alive today are faced with moments that require genuine courage to do something significant, to stand against something wrong, to do something right that might be hugely costly and may not work. Friends, our generation are called to courage as much as any other. May I say to you this morning, as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus, you are called to courage. We are called to courage because the life of faith is not an easy one. Jesus made it clear, just as he was persecuted, we will be. He calls us to integrity, to honesty, to justice in a world that isn't just. He calls us to be salt and light in a world that is hostile. He calls us to be pure in a world that isn't pure. He calls us to stand up for him in a world that hates him. In fact, so hard were his teachings that many people walked away. You say, oh, our evangelism, Jesus must be amazing at it. Well, he'd tell people the truth and just walk away and go, I can't hack that. It's too much. Jesus says to each one of us, the life of the Christian is a life of self-denial and cross-bearing sometimes. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. The life of faith is one that requires daily courage. If we're true disciples of Jesus, he says, in this world you will have trouble. Hear this, but take heart. Take courage. Be strengthened. I have overcome this world. So what does it look like for you, friends, to have courage? In this moment you're facing right now, that you need courage for. What do you need to be courageous about? For each one of us, it might look different. I want to suggest courage for a Christian always sounds the same. Sounds like this. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. When the cheering stops, will we still say, yes, Jesus? When the world is silent, will we say, yes, Jesus? When the world is hostile, will we say, yes, Jesus? When the world is corrupt and unjust and frightening and we are scared, will we still say, yes, Jesus? It's not always natural to have courage. That's why Jesus says it over and over again to his disciples. Take courage. This is scary. (laughs) You feel afraid. But take heart. I'm with you. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we hide. But never write yourself off completely. Because God doesn't write you off. God doesn't write you off as an uncourageous person. No. He says the gift of courage is here. Every one of us can have courage for what we're facing. His Holy Spirit of power is available for all of us to strengthen us for what we're going through this morning. And I know some of you here this morning are going through some really hard things. Lift up your head. Take heart. Take courage. The Lord Almighty is with you. I'm going to move to communion in a moment. And Mark, we can move this as I just play a video. But I just want you to go back to our friend Peter. In our thinking, the truth is I'd love to tell you, you know, that his courage didn't fail him, but it did. 
Whatever that combination, we cannot imagine what it was like for him to see Jesus struggling. Understandably, his courage failed. Peter the brave slunk away and hid and cowered. But this was not the end for Peter either. I love it. Soon would come his time again. Chance to step up and show courage once more. Jesus hadn't written him off. It was part of a journey that began when he first said, yes, Jesus, three years before. It began as a journey called, yes, to faith, but more than we can ever imagine, a call to courage. At the first moment, Peter had to have courage to believe that this person here, even though Peter knew he was broken, hopeless at many things, he knew he was a hothead, He knew he wasn't very educated. He thought, well, when Jesus said, come and follow me, he had to have the courage to believe him. Jesus really did believe that Peter could do it. And he had to have the courage to say, yes, Jesus. Courage isn't a one-off event. The daily saying yes to Jesus, whatever it is we're going through. Each and every day, yes, Jesus. The crowds are cheering. Yes, Jesus. The crowds are jeering. Yes, Jesus. We're going to watch just that first moment where Peter says his first yes to Jesus. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. We've been doing this all night. Nothing.
for me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long. We believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. I will. Such an enormous moment. Simon the fisherman, on his knees filled with guilt and shame, so aware of his failings. And yet this rabbi, this Jesus, gave him the gift of courage. Lift up your head, come and follow, you are chosen, you can do this. And he said, yes, Jesus, I will follow. Peter had begun a life of learning to have faith and a life of learning to take courage. What about you and I? Courage is not just our first yes, Jesus, but every single day after it, no matter what comes. Will you follow in this season, in the next season, even to the cross? Will you say yes to Jesus? I just invite those that are going to help distribute just to come forward for a moment. We're going to share communion in this moment. So let the hosannas die down for a moment. Let us go to the cross. But let us strengthen our hearts around this table this morning. Let us be encouraged this morning as we look to our King and we see his courage. Go to the next slide for me. It's unusual to look at communion and the cross through the lens of courage, but I want us to this morning. Let us remember, as we say yes to him, he said yes to me and to you. The most extraordinary determination in his frail humanity, which he chose to take upon himself. He would give everything. He would choose courage as he said yes to the cross. It's easy to miss the courage Jesus showed to just go, oh, well, he was God, he can do all sorts of things. No. It's beyond comprehension, becoming fully human. He chose to bear the weight of all our mistakes and sin. 
Jesus is fully God and fully man. Just see through the lens of his humanity this morning for a moment. See him as a man willing to do this for you and me because he knew it was worth it. And he felt that you and I were worth it. Jesus said to his disciples, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and teachers of the law and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. We're going to take bread and wine. Um, We're going to do it together. So the wine will come around first, hold on to that little cup and uh, and then the bread will follow. Hold on to both. And just as you receive, the band are just going to play Hosanna, but without lyrics, just a reminder of the Hosannas of that Palm Sunday. The invitation is to come and reflect as we think about what our Lord Jesus did and as we're heartened again to take courage ourselves.